Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So, what three words? This is our next in the series of what three words. And my what three words are here I am. And actually, today, I have tried to get every time that here I am is mentioned in the Bible. God's already doing an amazing thing this morning and it's going to fit so well with what I'm bringing. Like God just has a design, doesn't he? For every day of our lives. So the what three words um, was actually quite funny to, uh, well, I say funny, but uh, this week in work, a friend of mine called Rachel, who I work with, uh, she said, um, yeah, she was, she was driving in the witness area. She was on the street she wasn't that familiar with, and she could see a plume of smoke in the distance. So as she got there, closer and closer, she thought, actually, I am going in the direction of this smoke, and the traffic got slower and slower and slower, And then she realised they were all having a good look. So everything was crawling along. And then she thought, you know what, I am actually going... Probably loads of people have already phoned this in, because I've seen this. This has been going on for about 15 minutes already, because she saw it in the distance. So she phoned the police, and she couldn't tell where she was, so she used the what three words, because she said, basically, here I am. If you come to where I am, you'll be able to see the issue you know, from here. This is the area that... She was the first person to phone it in. <laughs> Everybody was having a good old look. She was the first... They were like, no, we don't know about a fire in witness. So there we go. That was all happening, and everybody... <laughs> Humans are funny, aren't they? Yes, we are. So, yes, this morning, I'm going to go through quite quickly some of the times that here I am, are said by people in the Old Testament. Times that God has said their name and they've said, here I am. It encouraged me this morning that when there's an appeal for something, I love the fact that we're mindful of things that God's doing in our lives and are happy to respond when we need to respond. So it's about God speaking to people, saying their name. As we see first, the first one I'm going to talk about is Abraham in Genesis. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain, I will show you. And of course, we know that he didn't sacrifice his son, but he was being called to put God first and to sacrifice the desires of his heart for the desire that God had for him. And so it might be here today that God is speaking your name and and saying your name and you say, here I am. Maybe there is a sacrifice you need to make, like a a pattern of thinking, a sin, um, a, a, a way of doing something that you think God has pointed that out to me. And so a, a response that we can have is, here I am. I will do what you ask me to do. Jacob in Genesis. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. 
I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. Are you hearing your name? Because actually you have a journey to walk that you're scared of. You know, God designed your life every day before the creation of the world. So it could be now that, and some of these, the Holy Spirit will ring true in your heart. Is it that you're saying, here I am, I will receive peace this morning for this journey. I will know that God has got it. God has got me. God has got all my tomorrows. He knows the end from the beginning. Moses in Exodus. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And Moses needed guidance. He had a very difficult job to do. And again, it's that listening to his voice. Samuel, the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was laying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. And then the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am. Now, sometimes when we talk, think about receive a calling for your life, we think, okay, if you're in your teens, if you're in your 20s, a calling for your life. You've woken up this morning, God has a calling for your life. Now, today, he has a calling for your life. You do not, there is no age limit on this. God has a calling for our lives. So we move on to the main story, and I love this story. Um, I, I laughed a lot when I saw that I, I could use this in the end because it's about a guy called Ananias in the New Testament, and I feel like Ananias is not mentioned enough so you imagine the time. There are three Ananiases in the New Testament. So this is the one that I'm talking about. A man called Ananias, and he was living in Damascus. He was part of the church in Damascus. He was a very learned and a very well-respected man. But the church was under huge persecution. So... They've witnessed the stoning of Stephen in Jerusalem, and a lot of Christians in Jerusalem have already been persecuted. People, men and women, pulled from their homes, bound, imprisoned, questioned, all sorts of terrible, terrible things going on. And in fact, from the stoning of Stephen, you see a young man called Saul stood, gathering the coats, and he has now... He has plans. He has plans. He already had that adventurous spirit before Jesus called him. He had plans. He was going to go from church to church to church to persecute. But we see how Ananias enters into the story in Acts 9. So Stephen dies in Acts 7. But in Acts 9, it says, But Saul still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Breathing threats and murder. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, belonging to Jesus, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. 
And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. Little does he realize the the task he's going to be asked to make. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to a street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. I love this. He's had the vision that Ananias is already going to say yes. He already, God knows that Ananias is going to say yes. He is faithful when he says, here am I. He means it. But Ananias, he is is doubting and you understand. But Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. And that is forever if you feel like, who am I for God to use me? He used Saul, who was still breathing murderous threats. God chose him and said, he's it. To the Gentiles, to the kings, to the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul. He called him brother. He'd killed saints in Jerusalem. And his opening words are, Brother Saul. Because whom Jesus accepts, who am I to refuse? The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days, he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues. He had letters for the synagogues. (laughs) Do you notice? He got to the synagogues didn't take his letters with him. He had letters for the synagogues. May I please take away people? But he went there and he said, he is the son of God, he said of Jesus. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And he has come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. And I think there's aspects, and of course Saul becomes Paul, and through him, Jesus really did use him. But I think the other aspect of that is to actually then, Ananias called him brother, 
and Ananias must have taken him. And the reason that Jesus called Ananias, who had good standing, was that the other Christians had to actually believe Ananias that this man was not actually there to surreptitiously get in and then get them. I can imagine the first Bible studies that, that Paul attended were rather sparse. <laughs> so who's going to be there, Paul? Not at the moment. Let's see how he goes for a bit longer. Let's see if we actually can... Tr- well, the guy stone- had been there at Stonings. But yes, it was Ananias. And I think it was just really apt that he was accepted first into the, into the, to the local church that he was actually there to catch. And they were the first ones who loved him and called him brother. You see, at that moment, Ananias said, here I am, and he actually followed through. And he had a right to be fearful, but he trusted. This is a very simple uh, quote, but I did like it. It's from um, Alexander McLaren, and it says, only he who can say, the Lord is the strength of my life, can say, of whom shall I be afraid? So often in my job, I have people who are afraid of different circumstances that they are in. And all the world can tell you is look within inside yourself, find the strength inside yourself. How many times have you in a situation, you have not got the strength within yourself. It's not there. You can carry on looking for it. It's not there. The Lord is our strength. Um, and often it's only when we reach the end of our strength that we know that the Lord is the strength of our lives. And we don't like those situations that we go through, but they are the evidence that the Lord is the strength of our lives. You see, when we say, um, so when we say, here I am, we can give messages that in our own strength would be impossible. But also when we say, here I am, it's to see the miracles in the lives of people. See, Ananias witnessed a miracle in the life of Paul, the persecutor who was chosen of God. You see, sometimes I wonder about Paul later in life. It talks about the thorn in his side, and there's lots of people who think, you know, this and this and this about Paul's thorn in his side. I've never really heard anyone mention that it might have been an overwhelming guilt of things he'd done in the past, and actually getting to know the families of people that he's, you know... I lose sleep over a lot less than that. I mean, Paul, he had things that he had to get over, didn't he? But also, I think it's amazing that we don't underestimate the fact that we see miracles in people's lives. Daily miracles. You see, sometimes it's, it's what we see as small steps... And then sometimes we see large transformations, but it's whatever God has got planned for that person. You see, sometimes we, we underestimate one of the most powerful things that God has given us. I worked with a guy called Duncan. He was a, a, a teacher, um, and he was funny. He would, um, uh, he would talk about you know, crazy people who, who believe that God created the world. And it was really funny because he did it one day and he was spouting off about something. And the only two people were, were me and uh, a lovely Catholic T, um, TA called Anya. And 
we just both looked at each other and looked back at him and said, well, you're talking to two of the crazies. And we had this wonderful conversation about creation. And, but you know what? He, he, that was sort of where he was at. But I remember one time we actually used the church building that we were in. And at the time the school had finished using it, Nick and a lot of the worship team sort of came in and there was a bit of banter and there was a bit of talking. And at the time I didn't realise, but Duncan was just watching everything going on. And I had to travel back in the school minibus with him. And he turned to me and he said, that community, that love, that relationship, I, I, I see why people want that. And I thought, isn't that funny? Yeah. Like, you can preach all you want, but don't underestimate the power of love and community and people seeing the love. That's why we need to guard it, because it's powerful. I could have sat there and preached about, you know, what we believe to the cows. It was that moment where you just, for a few minutes, just witnessed all these different people that are in community. And he said, I would love a community like that. And I said to him, well, Duncan, it's there. You know, and God that has created that community and forges that love is there. I don't know, where, I don't know how far he is along his journey, but I thought that's the seed planted. And sometimes you cannot underestimate the seed that is planted. Someone else may water it. Someone else may be there at the time it's harvested. You see, when we also say, here I am, it's to serve the people that we never thought we could serve. You see, Paul was received into the fellowship that he had intended to seize. And our fellowship, I was talking to Helen this week, and, um, and we were talking about Life Church, and uh, we were sort of saying, it's, it's quite organic, Life Church, don't you if you've noticed. It's like if someone comes in with a, oh, I think, I think, you know, I, I bring this skill. It's like, well, you're a living stone. So if you believe that, you know, then let's see what happens. And there's CAP, there's the grocery, there's the Sunday services, there's people in communities, there's people that are reached through the cafes. And, but it's all the fact that at that point we need to be listening, don't we? Listening so clearly in the conversations we have. Listening in our own quiet times to what God is saying to us. And this, this week, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, part of my reading was about um, the, when Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. And it talked about how at the quarry, the stones were dressed. So they were made into the shape that was needed. And then that meant that in Jerusalem, it must have been amazing. They bought these stones and it would have been quiet. There was not a, there was not a hammer there was nothing. They just placed the stones together, all slightly differently dressed, back of the quarry and brought. And I just thought about how we are all those stones, that in our own quiet times, in our own times with Jesus, in our own worship, in our own hearts, the Holy Spirit is dressing us. Like we've said even this morning with the pattern, that if we have our own pattern, the wrong pattern, but the stones are to be dressed to the pattern 
that God had. Not that we're all the same, far from it. We are very different, and that is as God made us. But we all have our own pattern. And I just say, come Holy Spirit, because I want us all, um, if you've ever worked with children, if you've ever been a teacher, when you actually set, when you offer a job, and they are literally, you know, like, here I am, I'm here. And sometimes they're like going, me, me, you know, like, you wouldn't think putting your hand up actually had a sound attached, but it does. It, it goes like this. And you're like, it is, it has. Even though you try and tell them, please don't do that. And sometimes in my role, I have to go in and actually bring children out to talk to them and, you know, or to do some work with them as part of my role. And sometimes parents say, oh, you know, my child won't want to be taken out. And I think, how wrong you are. I walk to a class door and I'm seeing all these faces going, and they're going. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know, I've actually come with a certain child in mind, and I can't, and they're like going, it's been ages, you haven't talked to me, and I'm thinking, no, because everything in your household's died down, I don't need to talk to you, you're fine, but, um, you know, and it's, it's, it's funny, isn't it, but I, I just feel we need that urgency, don't we, say, God, here I am, me, use me, I'll do whatever, and I think it's about as well, those patterns maybe of insecurity and those patterns of words that have been said over our life that need to take a back seat and God saying your name. Yeah. And, he's, and it's like, here I am. So the things that I've mentioned are quite broad, but then I think we are all individuals. It's right sometimes that things are broad. So we say, here I am, here I am to sacrifice. Here I am to receive peace. Here I am to receive guidance and strength. Here I am to receive a calling. Or courage to work through that calling. Here I am to give messages to my world, to my family, that in my own strength I can't do. Here I am to see miracles in the lives of people. Here I am to serve the people that we never thought we could serve. The homeless, the addicted, the wealthy, <laughs> everybody. So just as, as we just wait before God now, I just really feel that this really, of all the three words, it really does provoke a personal response, doesn't it? Yeah. Here I am. Here I am. So, Lord, right now, I just pray for each of the people sat before you. That in their hearts, Lord, you will cause a time now, this moment, where there will be a movement, a movement in their hearts, a time where now, from this day on, there is a change, there is a different pattern. So, Lord, some have already responded to you this morning for that pattern. I just pray that that will be sealed, that they will say, here I am. Here I am. I hear you speak my name. I hear you speak my name. I am responding. I'm responding with enthusiasm. I'm responding with with faith. I am listening to your spirit. And I pray by your Holy Spirit that you will seal 
what has been done this morning in the lives of those. But Lord, I also pray for those who at this moment, they're feeling a, 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 an urging by your spirit for something else in their lives. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrington.com.